Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Everybody, I am so excited to be sharing this message with our congregations all around the world. Wherever you are as a C3 member, we are so privileged and honoured to be leading and casting vision for us as we move into the future. Our future is dependent on us being committed to Christ right here in today. And recently, coming out of COVID, I know that's a while back now, but I have found there's been a series of messages which have been building one on the other. And the first one was the great return. The Israelites coming back from Babylon to rebuild Jerusalem. And then the great rebuild as they began to rebuild the city, the walls and the temple. But the thing that uh, really caught my attention recently was the rebuilding of the altar and the place of consecration, the place of giving my life again to the Lord. And that's really what I wanted to share about in in the past few months. But then I found the concept of fire starting to fill my bones and me wanting to see our churches experience that fire of God. As we look in the scripture in the New Testament, there's a lot of fire. When the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with fire. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul is speaking to his young protege, Timothy, and he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Most translations would interpret that stir up as fan into flame, the gift that is in you. And the flame can go out. So as we look at Timothy, this young pastor, a young man who was feeling faint, was struggling with anxiety, constantly had stomach problems. Paul gave him some advice, how to handle that. But mostly Paul was saying, I want you to fan into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit that is in you again. And the way that we do that is to get on the altar of commitment to Christ again. If we've had parts of our lives crawl off the altar and get involved in other things and supplant God's supremacy in our lives with with other things so that Jesus doesn't reign over all of our life. He reigns maybe in some areas, but not over all. And if we can come to the Lord again and say, here's my life, I ask you to take it and we get on the altar and and I encourage all of our churches to open up their altar calls so people can come, not just to be ministered to, but to minister to the Lord and to bring our lives before Him. And it is a guaranteed event that when we do that, the Holy Spirit will come. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. There's no way you can not pray and something happen. His presence should be our passion. So that when we find ourselves distant from God, we start to hunger and thirst and pant for God, like David in the Psalms. When that hunger and thirst dies, when our appetite for God, for prayer, for church, for the Word of God dies, it should be alarm bells, should be like red lights spinning in our heads saying, whoa, I'm losing that passion, that hunger for God. What has happened to me? Following Jesus is not a head thing, it's a heart thing. 
so that out of my heart, I want the Lord. I desire God and I delight myself. My joy is in the Lord. When my joy is not in the Lord, but in the world, it develops a distaste in my life for God, for prayer, for the Word. It just becomes distant. But the heart that comes back to God and says, Lord, here I am. My heart is on the altar. My life is on the altar to do your will, not mine, to want what you want. Everything, Lord, that you plan for me, I'm committing myself to you. And when we come like that, fire from heaven falls again on our lives. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, there's so many incredible stories about how when animals were put on the altar, the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed the offering. Similar in the New Testament, when 120 disciples gathered in an upper room for 10 days praying, it was like they'd put their lives on the altar and Jesus had told them, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, he said, there's one coming after me who won't baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit and with fire. That passion, that fire, that enthusiasm that we had for God, for the church, for ministry, to serve Him can get washed out of our life by discouragement, by depressions, by getting too concerned about the things in our circumstances, in our world and starting to chase after that. If we could come back to the Lord, like Jesus writes to the churches, and one of them, He says, guys, you're doing really well. But one thing I'd really want you to do is return to your first love, is come back to that place where Jesus means more to you than anything. And when we can bring our lives back to that altar and to God, say, Lord Jesus, we exalt you above all other things. We're not going to have any other gods before you. You are the first in our lives. When He occupies first place, everything else falls into order. And we don't despise following Jesus. We love following Jesus. It's not a nuisance to have to go to church. It's a joy. It's not, a, not an intrusion on our time to read the Bible. We can't wait to do it because we've developed the hunger. And I have found this, that as I put myself on the altar of the Bible and of prayer and of church, it developed, it recovers the appetite. So when I read Scripture for five minutes, it's like I want to read it for 10. My appetite for it increases and then I start studying it and looking, cross-referencing one Scripture with another. And I get, I get into it and I'm finding I want to be in there. And then through the rest of the day, I'm thinking about that. Rather than just scrolling through social media, going through the news cycles on, on television, reading books and other things that, that are distant from God, when I spend time in the Scripture, I find it feeds uh, an appetite inside of me that hungers for more. When I pray and I feel the presence of God, then I want more. I'm thinking, I, man, instead of looking at my watch, when, when's this going to finish? I'm thinking, oh, I've only got two minutes left before I have to go and do this and I really wish I had some more time. When, when our heart is alive again to God on those altars, 
that fresh fire falls. Let me tell you that in, in, in the Old Testament, when they committed an animal of theirs as an offering to the Lord, they didn't say like, there's Harry the bull out there, Lord, and fire goes boom and burn up Harry in the field. No, Ebenezer had to get Harry the bull and take him down to the tabernacle. And there the priests would slaughter him, put him on the altar and fire would then fall. Once they were on the altar, once they were, that altar gets rebuilt and that's why fire falls. Now, the most famous scripture on this, in the, in possibly in the whole Bible, is in 1 Kings 18 verse 30. And it's about Elijah on Mount Carmel. Now, there's a lot of other times when the fire came, the fire from God came. I mean, when the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness, there was a pillar of fire that led three million Israelites through that wilderness, which transformed into a cloud by day. So it warmed them at night and shaded them by day. And there, there was fire, as I said, in the New Testament, there's fire when John the Baptist says he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. There's all these references and times when fire came amongst the people, sometimes as judgment, mostly as, as, a, as a sign of an acceptance of the offering, which we can say happened to Abel when Cain got jealous. He saw fire fall on his offering, but not on his. He got upset about that. God would indicate his presence and his pleasure with fire. If he was pleased and accepting the offering, fire would fall from heaven. And when we come before God, as Romans 12 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. When we do that, a fire from heaven can fill our lives so that we're not just being positive people. We're not just people with a particular message. We're people who are a burning flame. The Bible says that he makes his ministers burning flames. And you and I, as we actually allow that fire to burn us, it, it will burn in us, but it won't consume us. And it will energize us. Let's come back to this major story in the Old Testament when Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So this is, this is an amazing story of bringing an entire nation back to God. And I believe it begins with you and I. As we draw near to God, we're going to find that we are effective in bringing our communities near to God. People who are distant from God haven't got power on them. So when they are attempting to bring people to Christ, it doesn't work. Charles Finney, who had many, many converts come to Christ, like 100,000 over just a very short period of time in, in the American revival history. He, he said that if he preached and nobody turned to the Lord, he'd retreat from preaching and going back and seek the Lord until he realized what was out of whack in his life. And then he'd come back to being preaching again. For that fire to be effective through our lives, our churches must have the fire of God in them. And that means you and I coming to Christ and saying, Lord, here's my life. 
It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not even uh, arduous or, or painful. It is like saying, Lord, I just start, I want to refresh my commitment to you. It's a good thing to do at the start of a year, but it's, the good, it's a good thing to do at any time to come back to the Lord. I would do it regularly because I have found my nature wants to get off the altar. My tongue, it just wants to say something that you wouldn't say if it was on that altar and committed. My eyes want to look at things that they wouldn't look at if they're on that altar. My ears want to listen to stuff that I, I wouldn't listen to if, if those ears were on the altar. I want to do stuff with money that I wouldn't do if it's on the altar. And, and so when my life is committed to Christ, so He's not my, just my Saviour, but He's my Lord. I'm His slave. I'm His servant to do His bidding, not Him do mine. So I'm saying, Here, here's my life, Lord, and I'm laying it down for you. That's the beginning of a whole new world of blessing, of guidance, of closeness to Christ, of knowing Him, of, of overcoming all sorts of things in our lives, of seeing miracles happen and having impossible things become possible. So when we refresh ourselves before the Lord like that, it's not like it's a terrible, painful, dark thing. It's a beautiful, joyful, buoyant experience of coming into the presence of God again and committing ourselves to His purposes. And Elijah did that. He rebuilt the altar that was broken down. Now, Israel had had a drought for three years. One of the reasons for that drought where they hadn't joined the dots was that they were worshipping false gods. The king, Ahab, had married Jezebel, who was notorious as a God-hater. She hated Yahweh. So she murdered all of his prophets, except the few that another man of God hid away in a cave. She killed all of the, the prophets and the priests of Yahweh. And she installed her own company of prophets and priests, 800 of them, who represented her gods, Baal, the main one. And then there was a drought in the land. The two are connected. Often today, people are not connecting circumstances and outcomes with spiritual decline. But there, there, was a, there was a connection there that God was trying to speak to Israel and say, hey, guys. So sometimes when he's knocking on the door, it's like we get knocks in our life and it's because he's trying to get our attention. And sometimes we will go like, oh, pastor, could you pray for me? Or my connect group, can you pray for me? Sometimes it's, it's us. If any among, among you is suffering, let him pray. And when out of our pain, we start to pray and cry out to God, we find, we find him. And he was just trying to get to fellowship with us. He loves you. And he doesn't want to bring pain in our lives, but our, the normal natural outcome of some of the things we do, the consequences are definitely painful. And we, we find that we can't avoid them and they cause us to cry out to God and we draw near and He is able to intervene and bring answers and solutions. And so Israel had had this terrible drought. The whole land was in drought and 
people were starting to do some crazy things in terms of e even uh, cannibalism to just try and stay alive. Here is Elijah and he's called by Ahab and he's been looking for him. He wants to kill him. But, but Elijah challenges Ahab and all the prophets of Jezebel and these false gods to a contest. And he says, the God that answers by fire, let that one be God. And all the people, all of Israel said, yes, that's a great idea. And so they went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And there it says, Elijah repaired the altar. And then he said to the people, come near to me. Now, this is after, this is at the end of the day. He let the other guys go first. So they built their altar. They put their animal offering on that altar. And they cut themselves and danced and screamed and shouted for a whole day. Nothing. Crickets. Not a thing came out of the sky. No fire anywhere. Elijah, at the end of the day, after mocking them a little, he's so bold, so courageous, said, okay, all on his own, people come near. So they all drew near. And that's the beginning of recovering fire and of getting fire in our spirit. The passion, the enthusiasm, the energy, of God. And so then he repaired the altar that was broken down. And in verse 31, he took 12 stones. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So as he did that, he then set the wood in order, the Bible says. And then he cut the bull in pieces and he placed it on the wood. And then he asked for water to be poured out on the sacrifice. He wanted to make sure that nobody was going to accuse him of artificially manufacturing fire. He wanted them, everybody to know this was authentic. This was real. This fire, this God that you have been neglecting is real. And he wants to resume fellowship with you. He wants to revive you, help you, stir you up and let you feel life again. And so he said to all the people come near and now, I'm going to pour water on this. And he did it three times, covered it, he dug a trench around the offering so that there was no way fire could creep in or somebody light a fuse or anything else. It was soaking wet. And he was obviously doing this all by guidance from the Holy Spirit who was giving him a word of knowledge each step of the way, do this, do this. It would take a lot of faith to do that. I mean, you'd like to help a little by keeping it as dry as possible. Not soak it in water, make it completely drenched so that there's no way natural fire is going to actually get this thing burnt. And so then he just, without jumping around and screaming like all the false prophets were, just with a very simple prayer, he says, Lord, let the people know that you are God. And boom, fire split the sky scorched the heavens and came down in such ferocity that all of the altar was gone, all of the offering was gone, the wood was gone and the whole water, all the water was gone in this, this huge outpouring of fire 
the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people suddenly bowed down and said, Yahweh, he's the Lord. God is the Lord. God is the Lord. And it shows me how much we need to have God present in church. His presence, His power, the miraculous, the anointing, the, the events of God to draw hearts that are far away, to draw all of us closer and closer back to the Lord. Well, right then, Elijah said, I can hear the abundance of the sound of rain. I can hear, I can hear a storm coming that's going to break the drought. So now that they had broken the spiritual problem of false gods over their nation, now that Elijah had done that, he says to, he says to Ahab, you better get your chariot and start rushing back to the city. Otherwise, you're going to be drenched in this outpouring, in the storm that's about to come. So then Elijah takes his servant and he goes up on the top of the mountain again and he starts to pray. Now, it's one thing to get fire from heaven. You'd think that's enough. You'd think, well, revival's come to the nation. But the drought hadn't completely broken yet. And even though he could hear, he knew what God wanted to do. He could hear the sound of rain. He knew that he needed to pray. And not just an ordinary prayer. He needed to pray the prayers that give birth to things, intercession, the prayer that breaks through. So he prayed. He bowed down, the Bible says, on the ground. Almost looked like his head was between his knees and he's praying with all of his might. And he feels a release. So he's, he says to his servant, go up and have a look on, over the hill there. See if there's a cloud. And the servant goes and has a look, comes back, there's nothing, nothing. Just because prayer doesn't work the first time doesn't mean you give up. Just because you've heard the sound of a prophecy of something coming doesn't mean we don't pray it into reality. So he bowed down again and he prayed. He says, okay, now go and have a look. Nothing. You'd think a guy would be a little discouraged by now thinking, oh, maybe I've got this wrong. No, he goes, he goes back to prayer. He is convinced that it's time for the drought to break. He gets down on his knees. He is crying out again. Go and have a look. He goes and has a look. Nothing. That's the third time. Fourth time. Fifth time. Sixth time. One more time. He goes down again. He prays. He feels that breakthrough. And he says, go and have a look. See if there's, see if there's a cloud, anything. And he goes up and he says, Ugh, nothing much, just, just a tiny little cloud the size of a man's hands on the horizon. Elijah said, that's it. That's it. That's the breakthrough. Let's get out of here. And they do. Elijah girds up his, his, his robes so that he's not going to trip and starts running. Now, this man is so full of the Holy Ghost. He is so empowered by God that he catches up to Ahab 
on, the, on their chariot and horses and then passes him, run, running like supernatural power is all over the sky. And then the heavens come black with clouds and rain pours out and the drought is finished. I know this, that as plenty of people prophesy the drought is over, the, 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 there's revival coming. But I know that before all that, you cannot forget what happened before that, that there was a fresh rebuilding of the altar. There was a fresh recovery of, of, given, of people giving their lives to the Lord. There was a fire that fell out of heaven. There was a, a getting rid of all those false prophets because that's what they did. Once, once the fire fell, the Israelites turned on the false prophets. And Elijah made sure that they were dealt with. And so they got rid of all the, the false gods and everything. But that was not the end. Then there was prayer and intercession and crying out to God. And then the drought was broken. Let me tell you this. As we do this, the drought over nations will break. The drought over church, churches, altar calls, over finances, over members, over areas of our lives will break. The Holy Spirit is aching to pour down on the church with fire. You and I, as we come before the Lord and say, Lord, help us. It doesn't have to be somebody else. It can be you and I coming before the Lord and saying, refresh the fire, the passion, the burning within my soul so that I will be effective in this hour for Jesus Christ, for the Son of God, that I will elevate His name above every other name. Believe me, the hour is coming now when that fire is going to pour from heaven and those souls that are on the altar, will, they will receive it. They will be empowered. Those who are not, will not. But if you and I can put ourselves before the Lord, in this hour, we will see a great revival. There is a great revival. I can hear the sound of an enormous outpouring and moving of the Holy Spirit for every nation on earth. And you and I can be involved in it. If we will think bigger, be bigger, let our hearts be enlarged, we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit on that altar to reach the nations for Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.